0: There we go. We're on episode two of our Ramadan mini-series of Footballing Villains. Um, we still haven't got an official title, but I know it'll be something like Football Villains Ramadan mini-series. So, uh, last time we had Ollie, who's my good friend from Vietnam. Well, not from Vietnam. He lives in Vietnam, but he's a Spurs fan. So, we had some um, nice conversations with a Spurs fan about villains that Spurs fans have had. So, I had to contrast it with an Arsenal fan. And what better Arsenal fan to bring on than the legendary host of Ball and Banter, um, my good friend MJ, who's been such a joy to have a conversation with, and I thought, you know what, if I need someone for this villain series, it has to be MJ. So, MJ, thank you very much for joining the podcast. How are you?
1: Uh, no, thank you for having me, hands. Um, I'm uh, all good. Thank you for your kind words. I'll sleep you that tender later that we spoke about off camera. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm all good, man. Uh, happy new year to you as well. I've not been seen you since um the new year's happy new year to you and your family I hope everything is all good but yeah i'm all happy and all good over here thank you
0: brilliant glad to hear that and it's just it's just so nice that i've had this time off in the new year to record for ramadan which is in april so uh, for anyone listening ramadan is a time when it brings peace and prosperity for muslims around the world to spend time with their loved ones spend time not really focusing on um, a lot of material things and really appreciating one another for who we are and trying to better ourselves as well um, last year, we did a series in Ramadan for football and heroes who inspired us, who, who were courageous to watch as well. So I thought we had to switch it around with football and villains. And I had the pleasure of being on um, a podcast called My Football and Heroes. So when I spoke to them about my heroes, I was like, I can't do the same ones I've done on the football and heroes because people will be listening to the same thing twice. So that's a fresh start <laughs> for them. And then, MJ, you've also yep. been on that podcast as well. So I'm listening to your villains and I'm listening to your heroes. And I'm like, Yes, this is going to be fun. So um, for everyone who saw today, MJ is going to be sharing three of his top footballing villains. I'll be sharing one of mine uh, just to continue with the process as well. Um, MJ, just tell us a bit more about yourself for the listener. People have listened before, but in terms of um, how you uh, came up becoming an Arsenal fan, what kind of era you, you would follow in football and what you really appreciated about um, growing up um, in the era that you did footballing wise.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm probably not as old as I look. <laughs> so I started supporting Arsenal probably like 1992, so the first Premier League season. I remember bits and bobs beforehand, but I was like a proper supporter from 92, 93 season. So now 92 was my first season, being an Arsenal fan. Um, my dad was an Arsenal fan, so I had not much choice, to be honest. Um, and Ian Wright was my idol growing up. Um, when I see him, I could relate to him um so yeah no definitely that was my era growing up early 90s um Highbury you know um <clears throat> yeah I just just fell in love with the game to be honest um and those days Arsenal were known as boring boring Arsenal and 1-0 to the Arsenal so we had a really good defense with uh Adams, Bold, Winterburn, Dixon and Seaman in goal and it just left to Wright e really to basically get a goal for us and then yeah. One nil to the Arsenal. So yeah, that was my kind of era growing up. Um, I always say this to Hammes nice football for me so much better growing up compared to football now. But that's for another that's another whole another topic. But yeah, that was just that's my introduction to football and yeah, and why I support
0: Arsenal. We're getting that nineties pod coming up anytime soon on Friday night you Attack. So, MJ. When that happens, you'll be the first one on there as well. Just so we 100. can learn a bit, but just so we can learn a bit more about it as well and the listeners can listen to that. Yeah, no, well. I'm up for that. It'll be brilliant. Um, but yeah, just so everyone gets clarity on yeah. my kind of era no, as well. For that. Um, realistically speaking, I'd probably say I'd started playing the, uh, playing football, watching football, learning about football around 2001, 2002 era, which is great. I enjoyed it uh, as a Manchester United fan for a good number of years. And now not, not so much as a Man United fan, but it's just one of those things that happens in football. Um, my footballing hero, I would probably say, would be David Beckham, you've got Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I mentioned a few others um, previously as well, but those would be the ones that would stick out for me as well. Roy Keane, exactly. I made a passionate defence of Roy Keane over Paul goals on your podcast um, last year as well, MJ, as well. So yes. did, you get but any that... did you get any feedback from that? Did people listen to it and think, why is this guy cho- choosing Roy Keane over Paul's goals?"
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, think I did get uh, some feedback on that. And I love it. Well, I had to explain it as it was generational, but mm. people still wasn't taking it. They still weren't having it.
0: Yeah, man. I knew I'd get some pushback on that as well because even even my guys on, on the counterattack podcast they were just like, "What the hell are you thinking, Hamza?" Roy Keane <laughs> over full souls. and I'm like, I'm like, Roy Keane is is me on a football pitch. I've used that expression before. He's literally us just as a fan playing mm-hmm. with his heart and soul on the sleeve. Yeah, and that was it really. And I would imagine he'd be a lot of people's footballing heroes, a lot of people's footballing villains as well. So um, definitely, MJ. Let's hear your first footballing villain I'm looking forward to this because it may not be someone <laughs> know, but if it is I want to learn so much about this person so who's number one on your list MJ for okay. footballing yep. alright number one <clears throat> I'm going to
1: have to go for one of your legends <clears throat> which is um, Mr Wayne Rooney and I've spoken to you about this before on Ledger Wedge, yeah. And it's, it's he just always seems to score against Arsenal no matter what, man. Jesus, like this guy can be on some drought where he's not scored in 10, 10 games, and as soon as it comes to playing in Arsenal, he's on it 100%. Like he's a different Rooney and he'll score. So, not only did he score that goal, uh, for Everton against Arsenal, his first ever Premier League goal, where he took the ball down from like, just plucked it out of the sky. And from about 30 yards, he like, just banged it top corner, like past Vieira, and then just banged it top corner past Seaman, like like nothing. So obviously, like that was like, remember his name, Wayne Rooney? I was like, oh, God's sake. So I was like, OK, cool. <clears throat> then he moves to Man United, and then he wins that penalty. And then flipping, we lost our 49 unbeaten game run against them. And then obviously, when we got spanked 8-2, he must have got a hat-trick that day as well. I Maybe mean, just banging in three kicks, him and Ashley Young. And just throughout the years, he's always, always been a fool in our side, like no matter what. Like there's the a matter of times I see him just bullying our team. Like those times when he's playing like United in the Champions League semi-final. I, just remember, I know Ronaldo's the one that scored, but Rooney was like so instrumental. And you know, just seen him just running through the team, like like guys are just bouncing off him like Joe Nolomu. It's just it's just mad, it's just mad. And yeah, basically my list is just gonna be a, a big old rant of players that's has hurt me in the past, basically. And and just took my soul away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! That that's so common. I've used that so many times before. So when when you said that, I'm I'm, like, you. I'm like when players take your soul away, you're just like, what can you do? It's like, what Villarreal, can you do? Villarreal took my soul away last uh, last. <laughs> yeah, that's Unai. Unai Emery just took it away from me for 120 <laughs> minutes for the penalties, and I'm like, oh my god, this is. I'm ridiculous. telling you, um. But no, that's what we're here for. We're here to yeah, it
1: is, it is But yeah, Wayne it's, he just scores against us all the time.
0: It's almost like therapy this this session as well. We're just having a conversation about people that have hurt us in the past, footballing wise as well. So I'm looking forward to um, hearing Basically, more about yeah. more about the other legends that you've got. But Wayne Rooney, for me, as you've heard before many times, is my footballing hero. Wayne Rooney is someone who I've loved, adored, appreciated, hated, despised because he has had his bad moments with Man United fans in the past as well. <laughs> So he has had those moments. Of course, moments. yes. Yeah, he's had those moments where um, uh, he wanted to leave. Uh, he was rumoured to be moving to Chelsea. Yeah. He was questioning yeah. the ambition of Man City. Or Man City. Or Man City as well. Mm-hmm. Could have been the case as well. Um, but realistically, um, for me, I've, out- I've outweighed all of the negatives for the positives of what he's done on the pitch as well because he's had a very poor off, um, off-pitch performance mm-hmm. in his late mm-hmm. career with a lot of scandals and controversy yes.
1: antics yep antics. loads yeah
0: they continued when he went back to Everton they continued when he went to the USA as well mm-hmm. and they continued when he went to Derby as well unfortunately um but that's just the kind of person Wayne Rooney is he's a yep. character in that kind of sense as well but yep. realistically speaking Wayne Rooney from a villain's point of view MJ because I don't want to comment and pretend like I dislike him in in that sense but was there a specific moment when you thought, you know, what we just we just can't stop him anymore? Because the amount of times that Man United would play against <laughs> Arsenal on the counter attack, Wenger would always be matched up by Schweinsteiger. And for that match in a 4-3-3 formation, there's that era of uh, Rooney, Park, Ronaldo, Rooney, Nani, Park, uh, Rooney, Valencia, Nani, uh, the Ashley Young, Rooney, um, Nani front three as well in the eight-two defeat as well. You were just there sort of thinking. Is there a way that anyone really stopped him in an Arsenal shirt? Can you remember when that happened? Because even yeah. in the early days, he was kind of scoring more against you as well, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Even in like the early days, like the first two instances that I mentioned to you, like the Everton goal and then the forty-nine unbeaten game uh, goal as well. But oh wait, he won the penalty. I can't remember if he scored in that game, but he, he won the penalty. He just got the second one in yeah. it. Yes, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> so I think even though that happened, we still had a good team. When I thought, like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it is when we just fell off and United was on a different level and we wasn't even rivals no more. So it's probably those times where you had Ronaldo, Tevez and Rooney up top. And it's just like, what can you do? There's nothing we can do. Like, we can't even compete. We haven't got Sol Campbell no more. We haven't got, even got Colo Torre who could probably, like, at least match him for strength a little bit or pace for a little bit. But I would just say, like, around those times when we started getting Galas in and, like, Cashelny, Silvestra. Silvestra, like, those days there, it's just like, doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter anymore. Like, Rooney can just do what he wants, basically. And I'm, I'm sure there's loads of, like, during that era, definitely, like, from, that, I'll say from at least 2007 onwards, I would say. So, probably around that Champions League semi final time, because that was men against boys. Even though the first leg was 0 0 at Old Trafford, that game at the Emirates, you just completely destroyed us. Like, it could have been, it could have been, like, over in the first half. Mm. It
0: was 1 0 in that semi final as well, MJ. John O'Shea Scott. Oh, sorry
1: my bad my, no, my no, mistake cool. one nil, yeah
0: you, you would forget if John O'Shea scored against you you would not <laughs> want to remember if John O'Shea scored against you it's quite cool, a, a quick shout
1: him. though that that little thing that he done at Highbury that time when he won 4-2 that infamous game where Keane and Vieira had it out in the tunnel and then mm. O'Shea scored that little thing that oh man I might have to add him to my villains list just for that
0: goal yeah it needs to be done you need to you need to find some of these villains coming in as well but Um, Just to finish off the Wayne Rooney segment of your villainous um, list, MJ, I wanted to know if there was one moment that you could sit back and think, wow, Wayne Rooney's kind of done it, but against another team that you appreciated that he scored against, like the likes of Chelsea or the likes of Tottenham uh, or maybe the Champions League, when you thought, you know what, he's kind of done Arsenal a favour or we're just happy to to see this team kind of lose at the the expense of Wayne Rooney. Do you remember anything like that happening? Mm -hmm.
1: I think if I'm the closest that I can remember is probably probably that overhead kick against City because it wasn't because because they were new money everyone kind of hated them so mm. to see like Rooney and like score that type of goal everyone's just like yeah okay money's not everything do you know what I mean um so probably that moment that's the only one I can think of at the moment that's where Rooney's kind of Helped us, but on another side note, the one time I just thought, uh, oh, Rooney's class is when he scored that goal from near the halfway line against West Ham. I think yeah. he's playing them away, I think he's playing up Upton part the old bowling ground, and he scored some goal from far, far, far away. And I was like, or oh, even that Newcastle goal where he's just demonstrating, you know, that's you know what, yeah, even though I hate Rooney, yeah, I love Rooney for that, just that 10 second segment where he thinks he's got fouled, he's upset, he's angry. He's remonstrating, the argument with the ref. The ref's not listening to him. He's he's angry. He can see him. Then the ball just comes to him and he just does an absolute perfect volley
0: top corner. doesn't even celebrate as well. That's he's banging. so angry, he doesn't celebrate. It's like, for goodness sake, I should have had a foul there. But if he got the foul, he may not have scored the goal that he did. So everything, mm-hmm. works and everything works in tandem. Exactly. Oh, You're no. right. No, that's, that's, that's quite fun. It's quite fun to listen to Wayne Rooney in that respect um, from a villain's point of view as well. So... Thank you very much, MJ, for part one of mm. our Villainous series. Huh. That's okay. Part two is my turn, and then part three and four is your turn. So we always link the players at the end um, with a little conversation. That's fine. I'm, I'm bringing in a former Manchester United player today. I'm bringing in someone who we broke our transfer record for mm-hmm. in 2014 uh, for just under £60 million, £58.70 mm. million. Pounds. MJ smiling on the podcast because he knows who this player is. And I'm going to say the good thing about mm-hmm. him first before I move on to everything I'm going to rinse him for because in the <laughs> in the spring of 2014, uh, a little-known club called Real Madrid won the Champions League for the first time in quite a long time since 2002, I believe. And um, there was the likes of Gareth Bale scoring in that final, Sergio Ramos scoring mm-hmm. in the final, Ronaldo and Marcelo respectively scoring in that final as well. But the man of the match in that final was Ángel Di Maria. Mm-hmm. And he did not get the plaudits he deserved. So he thought, you know what, it's about time I go to somewhere where I'm the main man and I get some um, the praise that I deserve as well. And further down in the summer as well, Argentina got to the World Cup final um, against Germany. And they had a fantastic tournament. Messi did very well. Di Maria did very well as well. And if Higuain had stayed on side and finished that goal properly, like a normal striker everyone would be talking about Lionel Messi as the greatest footballer of all time because he's lifted the World Cup um, in the modern era against Cristiano Mm -hmm. Ronaldo. But once again, Angel Di Maria had a very good tournament. He was very well um, set up in that side. Um, And it was really one of those things they learned from 2010 when you had like Maradona putting Gutierrez at right back. You had a proper defence, you had a proper midfield and you could accommodate Lionel Messi and Di Maria. And Aguero was even on the bench as well because he didn't fit into that system. Yeah, played to Argentina they got to the final. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the end of the niceties for me, That's <laughs> That's Very short. Of, very short. It needs to be done. Um, Angel Di Maria came to Manchester United for £60 million to play on the Louis van Gaal, And In fairness to him, he did have a tough start in that first year. In that first game that he played against QPR, he scored one of those um, free kicks that was like a cross-type shot and he just went on and celebrated. He was taking on these players and he looked like he was gold dust. It was something that we missed for a good number of years as well keeping likes of Valencia and yanazai out of the team. And we're just there thinking, this is our new number seven. This is our new hero. Can't wait to go and watch him. Um, had a difficult game against West Brom away. He scores an amazing chip against Leicester mm-hmm. in that 5-3 yeah. defeat. Mm-hmm. And he scores against them, um, scores and assists against Everton at home, where David Dehem made those tremendous saves um, to keep us winning in that game as well, which is great. And then after that, that was when his honeymoon period kind of ended, really. And he was in and out of the team. He wasn't really playing to the best of his ability. He looked neutral as a player. He didn't look amazing. He didn't look great. He just looked like he's just another member of the team. And that's really when it kind of hit. If you fast forward to February 2015, uh, on a Monday, cold Monday evening in Manchester, Manchester United were playing Arsenal. And uh, in the FA Cup, Uh, Di Maria and Rooney were up front as well. I think it was uh, Yanazai who came off the bench. But basically, uh, Di Maria got sent off in that game. (laughs) And I remember booing him on the way out of, of the ground. And I'm just there like, this guy, man, why did he have to be so petulant to keep arguing with the referee? For a soft enough, sending off. Yeah, for a soft sending off. And then that was when Louis Van Gaal changed the whole complexion of Manchester United for the next game, where he started Ashley Young on the left, he had Matto on the right, Rooney as a lone striker, Fellaini, Carrick in the midfield. Um, I think Daley Blind was at the back as well. And yeah. it, you're just there kind of thinking, there's no Van Persie, there's no Farquhar, there's no Di Maria, there's no Yanazai. A lot of these attacking players that we're not playing anymore, we ended up getting rid of. Mm. And... Falcao left. He left because he finished his loan. Uh, Van mm-hmm. Persie left. Gianna um, yeah, left. They all left with class. Gianna left a couple of seasons later because he went on loan and loan and loan. Yeah. But Di Maria had a hissy fit about the way that he left as well. Because <laughs> my favourite moment for Angel Di Maria was when he assisted Juan Mata at Anfield. So he was the one okay. that assisted Juan Mata when he did that overhead kick. Yes. Make it 2-0 on, at the time when, in a 2-1 win as well. And that was my favourite bit of Angel Di Maria. But Again, he had to leave straight away. He left for around forty million pounds to PSG, and yeah. then that's when he started to complain a lot. He starts complaining about, "Oh, I didn't give an f about the number seven shirt. I didn't give an f about the history of, about the club. I hated my time in Manchester. It was so cold. It was wet. It was miserable." And you're just there, like you It's like Carlos Tevez part two in a way. It's just <clears> continuously complaining. It was always making excuses, and he's just there that like he has no good memory of the time that he spent. And then you're kind of thinking a couple months before he left, he had the number seven tattooed on his body. And you're thinking it must have meant something for a reason. That's exactly. Funny. That was like in the top three top sale shirts um, in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Di Maria, mm-hmm. the likes of Rooney Van Persie, Sanchez, Hazard, all of them. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But um, this is where it gets interesting. We're fast forwarding to forward uh, spring of 2019. So Manchester mm-hmm. United are drawn to PSG in the Champions League. <laughs> and I'm fortunate enough to go to the game. Went with my brother, and my cousin, to watch uh, Man United, a, a resurgent Man United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Interim manager um, play against PSG. And it was a great game to watch until um, Kim Pembe opened the scoring as well. I think Di Maria was the one that actually crossed the ball in. And um, he was celebrating in front of the Man United fans, celebrating like mad. And it's like he was the one that scored. And you're just there, like, for God's sake, shut up. Because earlier <laughs> in, that, in that game, in the first half, actually pushed him down those little slopes that we had yes. that after them. That was the loudest cheer of the night. On my <laughs> night like, yeah, Did he, he disappear over the Holdings as well? Yeah, he disappeared. And then there's a steward there yeah. like, looking after him. And all the fans were like, hey, I am And I'm, I'm just there like, yeah, I, I, I'm glad DiEMU got what he deserved as well. <laughs> but unfortunately, the second goal, again, he assisted. So he assisted oh. um, a clean ball through to Kylian Mbappe, who ended up scoring a second goal. And everyone's just kind of there, um, just really annoyed, really upset. And Dima is walking off the pitch, looking all smug and cheering. Mm. After cheering of the PSU fans, he goes around to the Man United fans on his way back to the tunnel and is like laughing and cheering. and am like, you mother.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Fast forward three weeks later into March. And then um, this is where it gets fun. This is where it gets very interesting because this is when, um, for me personally, Romelu Lukaku will always have a, a place in history at Manchester United for this specific night. Everyone remembers it for the Marcus Rashford penalty, but mm-hmm. I remember it for Romelu Lukaku getting us those quick early goals um, mm-hmm. to make it 2 0 2 1 in the first half as well. The best part of that game, well, there's two good parts in that game that involved Dimiris, was when Dimiris scored against us and it was ruled outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he went around <laughs> celebrating <during laughs> at the PSG. He's just there like, yeah, I'm knocking my old team out. You, you... yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah. Spanish That's either. fine. That's fine. Um, but the best bit was when Marcus Rashford scored that penalty and is going off to celebrate, Romelu Lukaku turns and goes directly into Di Maria's face. Anyone can Google and, and YouTube this later. He goes right into Di Maria's, Di Maria's face, celebrates in front of him, then goes off to celebrate um, with the Man United fans as well. So that's why I, uh, Romelu Lukaku is one of my cult heroes. And I'll never disrespect him. I'll, I'll always look to see the best of him, even in the Chelsea shirt, unfortunately. But I'm just there thinking, Angel Di Maria, you got what you deserve that night. Um, but yeah, ran over for Angel Di Maria, MJ. He did. What do you have to respond to that about? Do you have any good memories? That's fine. Me? How do you feel? Do you feel better? Oh, it's, it's like I said, it's, th- it's therapy, this one. I'll be listening to this one back in April. I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It is. A, a weight off my chest <laughs> is just gone, which is great. Uh, <sighs> no, but for me, just looking
1: back at that time when uh, you signed Di Maria and when he was at United, <clears throat> obviously I'm not uh, a United fan, but I was kind of surprised that, it didn't work out with him. I thought that he would have done a uh, a lot better than how it actually transpired. So from the outside looking in, I was kind of surprised that he left after one year. Uh, like, yeah, like he said, come to, come to United after feeling undervalued or underappreciated at Real Madrid, which is no surprise there, especially with that Galactico era. It was all about Ronaldo during them days. Mm-hmm. So it didn't surprise me that he, he felt undervalued. But yeah, I always thought that he would do a lot better because... I've noticed of quite a lot of South American players, they tend to, after maybe a little settling in period in England, they tend to do quite well because you have to think that South America is quite passionate, that we're passionate over here. Um, you know, they like to get stuck in. They've got kind of like little dirty dark hearts that we kind of do over here as well. So normally it's a quite a good fit, but obviously it just didn't work out for whatever reason, um, which did kind of surprise me. I thought it would have done really well for you guys, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I hoped he did as well. Because to be fair, his stats weren't even bad. It was like and no. assists in his first season. Uh, assisting against Arsenal, which was really good, had a, had a big impact in that Liverpool game as well. We hadn't won at Anfield for, for a while as well, so it was mm-hmm. great to have him there as well. Um, mm-hmm. The Chelsea game, I think he assisted when Robin Van Persie scored a last-minute winner as well at home. So we, mm-hmm. did, we did quite well in, in that respect as well. And you're just sort of thinking, I want to see more from this, from this Man United side, and I think mm-hmm. Emery would have been better just not under Louis Van Gaal. But the thing is, it's like we played like a uh, 3-5-2. We played a Mm -hmm. 3-5-2 under Louis Van Gaal and it worked really well for a good number of months, which is great. But when you try and fit Angel Di Maria in, do you put him as that second striker or do you put him as a wing-back? And you just can't put him anywhere in that system. But the fact fact that we then changed around March time to a uh, 4-3-3 when you're thinking, even if you're playing Ashley Young and Massa, play uh, Massa behind the strike and put Di Maria on the right as well, mm. mm-hmm. much better. it would have worked uh, a lot yeah. easier for us as well. But no one really gave him that chance. Van Gaal didn't really give that chance. to didn't no. really give him that chance. And it was adios for Angel Di Maria as well. But it was just the fact that when when the player leaves, you kind of just don't expect to hear from them again in respect to their old club as well. You want them to just move on, the fans move on, and that's that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, still no, see, definitely. I, I still see Di Maria shirts at Man United all the time because they're <laughs> expensive shirts, aren't they, when you make 20 quid with, with exactly. the name and the uh, number on the badge as well. Yeah. So just like, it's not cheap. Definitely not cheap. So it's the fact that like, he gave us some good memories, but it's more his behaviour afterwards that really annoyed yeah. me and I left a very sour taste in our mouth as well. Mm.
1: He should have a bit more respect to be honest, you know. I'm sure that even, even though you know he's been at big clubs already, he knows about Man United, he knows about the history already. I'm sure no one needed to tell him about that before joining uh United. So, yeah, man, it definitely does show a bit for his character, and maybe in the end, he's better off not having him,
0: yeah. And it kind of showed because the season afterwards, we won the FA Cup, and it was great when you had the likes of Marcus Rashford coming through, Anthony Marshall, we, t- we signed from. Uh, Monaco that summer as well Mister mm-hmm. Pied didn't get in this squad, but mm-hmm. it showed that Man United <clears throat> wasn't all about signing the best players or the, or the most attractive players in world football promoting from within is something that we've always done and that's why definitely. when you have players like Ander Herrera who come through and they play for the badge and they say the right things and they show it on the pitch they, they feel like one of your own in a way
1: no definitely and you have a lot more respect for Ander Herrera compared
0: to uh, Di Maria wouldn't you? One hundred percent. It's probably like with Arsenal, with um the likes of like Ramsdale, who literally plays for the badge all the time. He's not an Arsenal mm. player through and through, mm. but he feels like an Arsenal academy product, doesn't he? No, like he does. Soccer, that type of
1: no, one hundred percent. You get that same type of love, to be honest. You can see the passion from him, which is all you want to see from a player as a fan.
0: Yeah, that's all we. That's all we ask for, as as exactly. realistically. But, yeah, um, because I started with the good bits straight away. Do you have any good bits of Angel Di Maria that you remember, um, personally, MJ? <clears throat>
1: uh, as you said, that lob against Leicester definitely that was a, that was a really good um, lob. Showed his class the way he just scooped it over Shemichael. Um, no, I think that's to be honest that's the only standout memory I can really remember personally. But I'm sure, yeah, as you as you as an night fan, I know you picked out a few more like the Chelsea game or the Liverpool game. But yeah, now as an Arsenal fan, just looking from the outside looking in, definitely that lob against Leicester. No,
0: that's brilliant. One thing I'd probably mention is. A couple of years later 2018 when he scored that amazing goal against france as well but again mm. my face was just blank as it like, because mm. mm. he can do it there's
1: he's definitely like i'm not gonna say necessarily world class but he's elite definitely he's elite. elite and he
0: can do it it's just that mm. you don't you didn't see it enough in england but you saw it no. in psg when he went back there yep. again uh we saw it around madrid and clearly real madrid didn't value him enough to keep him and Mm-hmm. That was the case. And the worst thing is, MJ, I'm playing a career mode at the moment with Everton um, <laughs> mm-hmm. on FIFA, and he's yep. a free agent. Okay. And he rejected me because I didn't oh. pay enough in wages. I'm like, you're a free agent. Oh. You're a free oh. agent. How are oh you rejecting God. 80K a week because you're <laughs> for 50, 160? You have no one to play for, Angel Di Maria. He doesn't want to play for Everton. doesn't want to come so back. So his mentality, mentality
1: is not only off in real life but also on FIFA. So FIFA are <laughs> quite realistic.
0: Viva is so realistic in that respect <laughs> as well. It makes so much sense why they know everything about football, though. No. Yeah, but yeah, that's part two of our uh, football villain series, and that was my choice, Angel Di Maria, which was great. Oh, MJ, we're going back to you now. Yeah, um, are we going to Manchester again, or are we staying somewhere else? In, in we're area? going, we're going not
1: too far from Manchester. It's in the northwest region. One of your probably your most bitter rivals, which is Liverpool. Uh, So I'm going to go back to, I think this was 1994 or 1995. And it's basically my villain is Robbie Fowler. Um, A lot of people, I don't know if people know much about Robbie Fowler, but he was a striker for Liverpool, English striker, come through the ranks of Liverpool, absolute monster in front of goal. And the thing is, if you look at this guy, he's not tall, he's not fast. He's got a good left foot, but God, his movement was absolutely class and he could just put goals away for fun. So there was this game at Anfield, uh, where even in those days, like Arsenal never travelled well to Anfield. So we went there now, and he scored a hat trick in four and a half minutes. Wow! Absolutely broke my heart. Um, so that at the time that was the quickest hat trick until Sadio Mane broke it when he was at Southampton. I think mm. he scored a hat trick in like four minutes. So yeah, he's Robbie Fowler was the um, quickest. Uh, Uh, a hat-trick goal scorer in the Premier League history and he done that against Arsenal. And obviously, this was the time of, you know, the famous back four and, you know, 1-0 to the Arsenal, you know, and he just destroyed us in four and a half minutes to score the hat-trick and watching that as a kid, I was demoralised. I was like, oh my God, like, we just lost and Robbie Fowler scored a hat-trick in like four and a half minutes. Like, what, you know, what the hell's going on? And just throughout the years, always during those times from 94, 95, 96, all the way up to at least 2000 or 2001, whenever he left Liverpool, it was always him and McManaman that always gave us trouble, but it was just always Fowler that would score the goals. And he would just always score against Arsenal all the time. I remember one time we lost 1-0 at Highbury, who scored. It was oh, Fowler. Wow. Or, yeah, well, Robbie we Fowler, we lost 1-0. Or it'd be Maniman and we lost 1-0. I am just like, oh my God, this guy. Again, it was like a similar thing to Wayne Rooney. He just seemed to, even though he scored against a lot of clubs, but whenever he played at Arsenal, he just always seemed to step up this extra gear and just always score goals against us. And, yeah, so from that that game when he scored a hat trick in like four and a half minutes, I've always not hated him like that, but I've always just been like, oh, you just always do it to Arsenal again. It's another play that's hurt my soul, crushed my soul that time when he scored a hat trick in like four and a half minutes, and yeah, just I just hate that guy. I hate him with a passion. But big respect to him, man. He's a great footballer, a legend of the game, one of the highest goal scorers in uh, Premier League history, and yeah, he's always he's always been, been a fool in our side all the time.
0: Yeah, Robbie Fowler is someone who you'd see on the Premier League years a lot of times for the younger generation as well. And you're yes. kind of thinking, like, for a Man United fan, he's kind of like James Milner. He played for Man City, he played for Leeds, and he played for Liverpool. So he just, again, just despised Manchester United and just said, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I have no reason to like you. <laughs> he, still scored, <laughs> he still scored these goals for Man City against Man United. He did. And, uh, he made, I think it was Etihad, the season or two, when they moved yep. to uh, Manchester City. Scoring That's for right. Leeds, getting them into the... I think he yep. was part of that team when they got to the semi final. They did. It?
1: He was. Yep. That yep. was when he they left had...
0: and he went to Leeds as well. They got <clears those throat> that's two, correct. Uh, was, what Michael Owen and Heskey coming through? So that's Fowler correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: So they, yeah, that's why they yeah they moved them on Fowler. For a while, it was him and Owen up top, which was dangerous. It was really dangerous. Liverpool. You know what, Liverpool had like always had good players. They one have had the team around them to support them for like a sustained challenge for the title or anything. But they always had good players. Liverpool.
0: They had enjoyable players as well, it was so much mm. fun to watch. But as a Man United fan and as an Arsenal fan, you can't really appreciate watching Liverpool unless they're you're watching it on the Premier League years when they're not hurting you yes. anymore. Yes, That's exactly.
1: Really like and 20 years, 30 years later down the line, you're like, oh, okay, it's not too bad now.
0: Yeah, that goal from Michael Owen is pretty good. That goal from <laughs> is pretty good. As well, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, now nah, his, his left foot was something special because you're looking at him thinking. Like, like you said, he wasn't anything special athletic. No. He wasn't anything nope. special with a footballing um, talent. It was just the brain that he had on him as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that you're you're looking at thinking, it's some, It's like you can't really teach something like that as well. You have no. to just learn it from experience and move through it yourself yep. as well. It's I mean.
1: instinct. It's either you have it or you don't have it. And he's definitely got it.
0: Yeah, because it was, again, at that time, I think Anelka went to Liverpool on loan?
1: Yes, he did. He did, didn't he was just he? Yep.
0: thinking like there's such an array of strikers in, in the big scenes of England at that moment? As yes, well. it was great to just see him. It's just you know what, I don't really know much about his England career. MJ, do you have anything that you could kind of yeah. tell us about how he was <clears throat> as an England striker?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think Fowler always find it hard, but you have to remember at that time, England they had like a golden generation of strikers. So they had Fowler, they had Andy Cole, he had Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer, Teddy Sheringham. Uh, did I say Les Ferdinand? I did didn't I? Ferdinand, Yeah, I said the Les Ferdinand, Matt Latissier, right. uh, Ian Wright. So you had like loads of strikers, and there's and only a like, young
0: Michael Owen as well, and a
1: young Michael Owen coming through as well, and including Fowler himself. Mm-hmm. So that's like eight other strikers that you got to compete with to you know get into the team. So if you look at his England caps, he didn't get many. He might well, got about seven or eight, maybe fifth, maybe like mid-teens, like fifteen, and probably yeah. scored about five or six goals, but. He never really got like a sustained run in the England team. Obviously, like a lot of the managers preferred sharing him and Sharer. It was all about SAS, as they used to call them back in the day, sharing him and share. Her. So yeah. it was hard. And maybe the backup striker might be Ian Wright. And then obviously Owen come through. Uh, he still had Les Ferdinand. You know what I mean? He had Andy Cole. So there were so many strikers that he never really got a good look in at England level, international level. But he was a part of the United 6th squad. Um, when England got to the semi final. But again, he never got a minute. <laughs> him and him and Les Ferdinand never got a minute. Um, that makes sense
0: because I was like Les Ferdinand's no pomp, wasn't it? It was his prime. It thing.
1: was, it was, exactly. It wasn't his prime. That's what like, the season after he went to Newcastle and him and Cheryl was just tearing it up. So, yeah, Robbie, a great striker, great natural striker as well, a natural number nine. But yeah, internationally, he didn't get that much of a look in compared to what I think his talent deserved. But understandably, competition was very high.
0: I think he was in that England squad for 2002 as well, but again, he didn't really get a game. He no. was in that, in that World Cup and he's in the qualifications. But I'm just kind of thinking, when you have that caliber of striker, it doesn't come around all that often as well. So you're kind of thinking nope. the likes of Glenn Hoddle, who's a manager. I think Terry yep. Venables is a manager. Terry manager. Venables, yeah. Sven. Yeah. Well. They, yeah. They really could have made the most out of these amazing strikers that we had as well, which would have been
1: fantastic. they did. They did. I agree with you 100%. But there you go, yeah. It?
0: Politics, what, yeah. Politics. It's one of those, isn't it, that you're thinking this guy's doing damage to us every other season, but it's not damaged doing damage to any other country because he's not even no. getting
1: the game. Nope. no, nope. not
0: at all. Comes a hassle. It's like watching him, um, uh, Philippe Coutinho, not getting mm. to Brazil in 2014. Mm-hmm. Doing damage to everyone in the Premier League that season with Suarez and uh, Sterling and uh, Sterling. Makes no sense. And he didn't get selected because they picked Bernardo over him in the 2014
1: World Cup. What sense does that make? That make no sense to me.
0: No sense at all. Um, no at all. That was a great history lesson for everyone listening and for me personally as well, because Robbie Fowler is someone that you always see all the time um, mm-hmm. with his property business that he does now. Mm-hmm.
1: Well. Yes. Because and he does have a podcast. I don't know if he still does it, but he used to do a podcast as well, which was quite fun to watch as well.
0: Yeah, he got some really good guests on that as well. He did, man. Brilliant. I see Henri
1: on there. When I saw Henri on there, I had to watch it. So, yeah.
0: Carragher did one with Henri as well. Like, Tia Henri's just yes. like doing any podcast now. Like, just please, yeah. Please it, please oh, get- yeah. Yeah. He, he we'll, does anyone's podcast apart from Bull and Band? <laughs> just we'll just like combine our, our funds to like get an appearance yeah. from him. Try it. at least even, even if it's just like
1: fifteen minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like, route, we'll pay
0: for your time if you're listening. Please, we'll do. it. Hey. We'll, we'll do
1: it. And Thierry, like, forgive me for the first five minutes. I'll be starstruck for about five minutes, but then after that, I'll be good to go.
0: Yeah, and forgive me for the next five minutes. I'll just be like calling all my relatives who are Arsenal like, fans. Look who I'm talking to Look who I'm Exactly. Talking to it's the king. You're not exactly. speaking to him. I'm speaking <laughs> to him. And then five 100%. minutes. Yeah, the five minutes after Thierry will just be there, like. Okay, so we're gonna Okay, about... this is getting
1: weird now, guys. You're just staring at me, smiling. Yeah. You're going to say, are we actually gonna talk, you know? Uh
0: we don't need to talk, you're just the guy, in it? It's like we paid for your time, so it doesn't matter, does it, Thierry? It's all good, Thierry. We're all good. <laughs> um, but no, um that was great. Robbie Fowler for part three of our Footballing villains, which has just happened there as well. Um whew. MJ, part four.
1: Yes, yep, I'm ready.
0: What are we saying? Northwest right.
1: again? Nope, now it's uh closer to home for me. Uh, this is a London team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you um, believe the reports that you heard, apparently this guy played for Arsenal youth team and then was rejected around the age of nine. So then he went to our local rivals and he come through their youth system. Mm-hmm. So he's currently now one of the best goal scoring uh, Premier League strikers. He's England captain. Uh, so that should give it away to anyone who's not sure. But it's oh. Harry Kane. And for obvious reasons, you can imagine like this guy, I think he's actually broke the record for the most goals in the North London Derby. So he just, again, he just every time. The thing is, again, he can be awful and Tottenham can be awful. As soon as it comes to that North London Derby, Spurs and Harry Kane are just a different animal. And the amount of times that he scored against us, like even when he was unknown, he's still banging in two goals against us, winning like last minute headers. To get the winner for Tottenham, or he's cutting in from the left, like the left uh, touchline, banging it in from some almost impossible angle, top corner. And it's like this guy, like every single time, taking every off the time, mask and
0: celebrating, taking
1: Ridiculous. off the mask and celebrating. Like, ah, oh, this guy always does it to Arsenal, always, 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 always scores. Like, he's definitely like their big game player, and when he plays against us. Maybe it's because he got rejected by us as a kid. I don't know how true this is, but apparently this is like the thing that's going around. He was at Arsenal and there's a shirt, there's a picture of him in an Arsenal shirt as well. With, and the, he's got red the, with the red hair. With the red hair, Freddie Youngberg kind of thing going on mm-hmm. through his hair. And you just think, Jesus Christ. like. And I remember, again, just <laughs> we're just talking about Thierry Henry. He's going to live a long time. So again, one time, must have been like a North London derby. And Henry interviewed Harry Kane. And Henry said to him, when you think of Arsenal, what do you think of? He was just like, passion, hate, hurt. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, brother, like, calm down, man. Like, It's That's like some Bond villain is coming out yeah. of nowhere now. Yeah, and you know, like, Harry's kind of, like, mild-mannered. He never... It's hard to read him sometimes, that... Because that, I think, because he's under quite a lot of scrutiny, he's like the golden boy for English football. I think he's quite reserved. When he does interviews, he's normally quite reserved. It's hard to read, read what he's really thinking or... What he really wants to say sometimes, but with this interview, he didn't even hold back. I don't know if it's because he was talking to Thierry or because there's a north London derby. Maybe he just wanted to let the Spurs fans know. Look, okay, look, this is this has come out about me being an Arsenal youth player, but don't worry about that, Spurs fans. Trust me, I'm up for this game. So like, one of the first things was that like, passion. Do you know what I mean? And he was just, like, whenever. I play Arsenal, whenever Arsenal's coming up, I'm just 100% on it. I'm just like, you're not even lying. I can just tell that, A, you proved it, like, in the past performances and B, the way you're saying it, I'm looking to your eyes when you're saying it, I can tell, like, I don't know, maybe that burnt him as a kid and that's what the fuel that he's used to get him to get to wherever he's got to now but this guy, every time we play Spurs, it's him that's on it. Always him. And if Spurs are going to score, it's him. I can guarantee. Apart from that Fluky Rabona goal that, um,
0: Lamella
1: scored. Lamella scored. Like, apart from that, it's always Kane. Always. And he will score the last-minute winners. or He was score the decisive goal that gets them to the win. Always. And he's always on it against Arsenal. Similar to Wayne Rooney. Whenever like, he plays Arsenal, bang.
0: Yeah, he scored, that, someone else. he scored that penalty as well, again, when he was off form, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't scored in like six, seven games. And he scored mm-hmm. three at the Emirates. And it yep. was like a one-all draw. And like you're just yep. kind of thinking like, he just needs to come up for this game because it's kind of what the player needs to get motivated if he's lacking any kind of motivation as well. And yes. Harry Kane seems like a very good professional footballer and a professional mm-hmm. in the game as well. Yep. But Definitely. Um, I, I can agree with you on this one as well. I do love Harry Kane, but I also despise Harry Kane um, in the <laughs> fact that he could have gone to Manchester City and he still may <laughs> have gone to Manchester City as well. But yeah, uh, fun story with me, um, Man United were playing Spurs at the beginning of the season in August 2018. And um, it was... a. Uh, very poor, poor start to the season for Manchester United. We had lost to Brighton away, um, so we weren't doing that that hot. Um, then Jose Mourinho changes the system up and it's a four-two four-four-two 4 2 diamond. Lukaku and um, uh, Lee, I think, were up front in that game as well, which, is, which was fine. Lukaku misses an open goal. And you're just there thinking, oh no, this isn't going to be our day. We had loads of chances, loads of chances, loads of chances. Second half happened, so um, Tri- Kieran Trippier takes a corner into the box and Harry Kane scores a header. And that was at the side where the Spurs uh, fans are. You would think Harry Kane would go over to the Spurs fans and celebrate. Oh, no, 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 no. He comes over to the Man United side and starts celebrating. And uh, me and my sister were in the front row, we we're actually on camera um, for a split second of us just with our hands in our heads because we knew that we were going to be on camera. So I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and, and try and F and blind him as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was tragic because guess what happens afterwards? Lucas Morris scores twice. You know, at home and yes, um, that was the first and last time I've ever had stewards come up to me telling me to sit down and be quiet because you're, <laughs> you're looking threatening to um, <laughs> other fans, and I'm like, what do you expect me to do, like? to uh, accept this and people are like oh sit down sit down the kid can't see behind me. Like, I couldn't give a, you couldn't give a hell yeah, yeah yeah I couldn't give a fuck about that yeah. kid. she's my language everyone. but I'm just saying you don't go to I get... have, that's the first time I heard you swear bro oh my
1: days my but heart bro this
0: is what Harry Kane does, yeah, he does. to you he does he does it more than
1: that to me to be
0: honest he does that as well but you're just there thinking you know what you know what I couldn't give a damn about the kid behind me we're losing 3 little. you are trying to stand up and give some, the team some motivation yes. and, and some feedback and you're just there thinking I couldn't give a damn. And I'm there driving home with my sister and I'm there fully ranting. Mm. And I'm like halfway down the M6 towards home. And I'm, I still haven't stopped for a break of breath or anything like that. <laughs> I'm just thinking, why the hell did Louis Gaal not look to sign him in his second season at Spurs? Why did we have to go for someone like Zlatan or why did we have to go for mm. someone like Lukaku? Because he looks like a Man United player in a different shirt. He could easily have been like the replacement for Wayne Rooney. He could easily have done mm. the same job as him and he could easily have been... Yep. 30, 40 million Mm -hmm. pounds by Tottenham at the time, instead of 80, 90, 100 million, what they're quoting for now as well. Um, But basically, as a Man United fan, probably the easiest of the big games Mm -hmm. to get tickets for is Spurs. So I've been to a lot of the Spurs games, fortunately, and a lot of the times we've won, which has been great. But that was the time I went and we lost. And you're just like, (laughs) he hadn't scored at Trafford before, and you're just thinking, what the (sighs) hell is going on? And that was the season they got to the Champions League final as well. Um, Mauricio Pochettino took them to um, Madrid in the final Mm -hmm. as well and uh-huh. you're just sort of thinking this guy is, is really good and it was just after yeah. the World Cup as well when he got to the semi-finals against Croatia and uh-huh. you're there thinking Harry Kane you're still an idiot for not passing to Raheem Sterling why did he not pass to Raheem Sterling? PTSD
1: yep he's, he's still an idiot now anyway
0: <laughs> <laughs> no but to be fair
1: you know what Yeah, for the longest time <laughs> for the longest time yeah I, I refused to like not refuse to accept he was world class but I was just like nah it's a one season one then the second season, that again, I'm like, ah, no, it's a second season wonder. Third season comes up on that, now he won't do it again, bang, and he does it again. Three seasons like, in a row, 20 plus Premier League goals. And then he goes to the World Cup in 2008 and gets the golden boot. I think then I had to actually admit and swallow my words and eat some humble pie, but yeah, he still winds me up.
0: Yeah, that, that happens. That didn't happen to me, to be fair. I, I loved him as soon as I saw him in that Spurs shot when he came back from his loan from like Norwich and Leicester and all of that, because you're kind of thinking Spurs lack that that golden mm. boy since Gareth Bale left and Van de Vart left and Modric left and you're there thinking did. you can't rely on Adebayor yep. and Soldado mm-hmm. and Christian Eriksen was looking helpless playing balls through to these kind of strikers and they're not yep. really doing anything so no one yeah Poch, yeah. Poch put a punt on um, definitely I agree with you on them yeah Poch put a punt on Harry Kane and it worked really well for Tottenham Hotspur and one of their greatest ever mm-hmm. academy products as well and I still think he has the opportunity to break the Alan Shearer record for Premier League goals as well but MJ, I need to ask you.
1: Especially if you what, go City.
0: Yeah, especially if you go City. But I need to ask you, MJ, what is that one moment from Harry Kane when you're yep. just there like punching your hand or like getting really angry because it's just ruined your mood? What was that one moment for you? Because I've told you mine. When I'm in the stadium, I'm just there like, it's like five foot mm. away from me. I'm like, this mother... <laughs> uh, but no, um, mm. what, what moment for you was mm. the worst for you?
1: Uh, there's two once at the lane was winning 1-0 I think Danny Danny Werbeck scored first Mm -hmm. and was winning 1-0 and then he scored a last minute header to win and then the second one is that other one we just talked about when he took the mask off and stood on the floor that both of those wanted to punch his lights out that brother (laughs) you better put that mask back on so I can punch you in your face
0: (laughs) you need that protection with that mask from me Trust me, bro. Hey. hey You better keep that pass, <laughs> bro. My, my shoulders hurt from that. I was
1: laughing. I've been laughing too much this podcast. Uh don't guys, girls, look, like, hey, like I said that in jest and it wasn't really like the physical violence to a player, yeah, but that's how you made me feel it.
0: That's how that's how Harry came maybe full as well. And there's a, yeah. there's a, the moment where like Kieran Trippier looked back at the Man United fans, which is like you motherfuckers. Yeah, turn off. around, turn your head around, man. Go yeah, away, just, go back to the Go back home. <laughs> go away. We don't we don't need you here, Kieran Trippier. Yeah, <laughs> now, now he's playing at Newcastle. Thank so you. He deserves it. Oh. But yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. But Harry... for me, it never made sense for you to go for Trippier. To be honest.
0: Mm. It didn't make sense for us to go for Aaron Bisaka. No. One and a half seasons. <coughs> that uh, yeah.
1: That's, a Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's another yeah. story. Well, but to
1: Rennick, he's not, yeah, he's not another story, but Kuntaranyak, he's not good enough. And trust me, I have debates with this on Ball and Mantle all the time with my man um guy, Sig. He loves Wambasaka. I'm always saying to him, brother he's not good. He always gets, he's always got to do recoveries because his is wrong. He's always trying to make up for his mistake and do recovery slide tackles or recovery to get back in position. So he needs to sort that out. If he sorts out his positioning, he might not be too bad, but attacking wise, he's not even good at attacking wise either for me. But yeah, that's for another podcast.
0: Another podcast entirely because um, mm. when you when you watch Haraman Basaka live, it's it's like you're playing with almost 10 men on the pitch because it's like a liability. You don't know what's going to happen unless he can tackle mm. someone. Mm-hmm. If it's like um nope. if it's like watching yeah. him against like Raheem Sterling, then everyone's gonna go, Oh yeah, he's pocketed Raheem Sterling. But when you see him against like a someone like mm. a Pedro Neto, for example, or, or you see him against like a, a winger who can drop back every now and then, mm-hmm. like a Grealish. Grealish ruined him at Old Trafford. Yes. After yeah, Villa.
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Imagine incredible talent, but mm. Wan Bissaka just hasn't improved <laughs> in two years. Oh. no, unfortunately. Don't worry, Wan Bissaka is in our bonus villain today. We have no bonus villain. That's perfectly fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, we're at the end of our um, podcast for villains part two. So MJ, what I like to ask the guests on this bit. Is mm-hmm. you mentioned Wayne Rooney, you mentioned yes. Robbie Fowler, and you mentioned yes. Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Start, bench, sell. Oh man! I'll oh, join in as well. So it's this is tough.
1: Okay, unfortunately, I know sell. Unfortunately, sorry, Robbie. Uh, it'll be sell Robbie Fowler. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this is tough. Kane or Rooney? Damn. I'm going to bench Rooney and start Kane. How weird does that sound?
0: Nah, not weird at all. You can you've <laughs> still got what seven years of like everything <laughs> to go left <laughs> as well. So. Uh, so. That's too long. That's too. long. No, seven years of tormenting us.
1: Hopefully, his anchors won't hold up for that long. Hopefully, he doesn't go to Manchester <laughs> City. Oh, don't. More
0: goals against. Us. If he
1: goes to Man City, it's over. Forget about it. He's getting about fifty goals a season.
0: Yeah, man, it's it's the case for me. Mm. Um, but no, I'll go for. Um, sell Robbie Fowler, Ben Hurry mm-hmm. Kane, and Start Wayne Rooney as well. Yeah, that's fine. Because as as a villain, he loved to wind up opposition players so much. He, he did opposition fans so much and opposition mm-hmm. managers so much. Mm-hmm. He did that continuously. Definitely, and as more of a villain in real life than and Harry Kane <laughs> for <me> as well. <laughs> yeah, personally. no, you're definitely right. Especially
1: with his antics off the pitch, he's definitely a villain.
0: One hundred percent as well. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah, I agree thing. with you. Yeah. Uh, But before we leave, MJ, why don't you let our listeners know once again where they can find you and what you're up to um, this coming year on Ball & Banter?
1: Yeah, so just for the listeners, um, I host a show called Ball & Banter, so we're a football podcast series. You can find us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, our handle is Ball & Banter, wherever, wherever you're looking uh, Spotify, we on there, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Player FM, Podchasers, we about 16, 17 different uh, podcast providers, so we're out there, just putting ball and banter, um, I'm the host of the show, I normally do it for my four boys that we knew each other from school days, so we've known each other for about 20 years, so it's basically what we'd normally do, just sit there, talk shit about football, have a laugh. So even without the mics there, that's all we would do. So we thought, hey, why not put a mic there and send it out to the rest of the world? So yeah, man, such as out there, we're, we're all there.
0: The chemistry is electric, so you wouldn't put out on anything. anything <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Hans. I appreciate that, bro. Nah, it's all good. It's all good. But no, um, thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Ramadan uh, in this April as well. MJ, it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. Everyone take care and uh, peace. Later. Peace out.